Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us today. My guest is Roy Cummins. He's a real estate investor, among other things, but we talk about um, a lot of the things he's got going on from kind of his initial foray into real estate with some house hacking stuff where he'd buy the house and rent, rent out to some roommates all the way through new construction. Uh, they're big into short-term rentals today. Um, and he's also got a brokerage. So just a, a real estate guy through and through an entrepreneur. We spent a lot of the episode talking about mindset and his journey and books and ideas that have influenced him along the way. So definitely a kindred spirit with, with Rory. I feel like everything he was saying was something that I've been through or resonated with me. So a great entrepreneurial story, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So um, we'll have a word from our sponsors and then we'll get into the show. A five-star review helps this show. If you're inclined to leave one, I appreciate it. Let's get into the episode here after word from our sponsors. Thanks guys. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Rory, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, how's everything going? Excellent, man. Glad to be here. Good. Yeah. Glad to have you on. Let's let's dive in and you know, definitely want to talk shop on on business and real estate and all that fun stuff. But for the audience here, how about uh how about some backstory on you? You know, how you came up, how you got into uh into being an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. Uh yeah, I kind of it's an interesting segue into the real estate front and, and everything else that I got into. But uh yeah, I went to I went to school, didn't you know, kept changing majors like six times, eventually graduated and got into construction, believe it or not, right out of school because uh, I had worked some construction during high school. So I ended up in project management. Um, that kind of took me through my 20s. And I was basically uh, going from you know managing jobs into being a, a full-time builder in residential construction um, and made my way back to Charlotte, where I'm currently at now, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, Found my way into investing back in 2006, um, and then 2008 happened, and then got out of the building industry a little bit because everything was changing. Kept yeah. investing, um, and I always knew I wanted to go full-time real estate. So um, after quitting my job back in 2010, I basically traveled the world for about a year and a half, um, found my wife in the process, came home, uh, and found my way into full-time real estate. So. Back in 2015, um, I still had some investments on, you know, a little bit of multifamily, single family stuff, got into uh, real estate brokerage 
And um, basically to this day, I'm still in real estate brokerage and I started flipping houses back then um, while I was still also doing some GC stuff um, on the new construction front. So it's basically running three different businesses for the last 10, nine years. So give or take almost nine years now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started investing into short-term rentals as well. Uh, that got really big and that's where I'm at now. I would say like most of my time is spent um, in short-term rental. Uh, still got the real estate brokerage going on um, and trying to get out of construction uh, management because I've just been in it for so long as doing new construction and flips and specs and all sorts of stuff. So um, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, it's it's been, it's been a long uh, journey into every phase of real estate, it seems like. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I love it. What was in 2006, what was kind of that first investment project of yours? And I also, I'm curious about what was the catalyst? Was it a friend that was doing it? Was it a, a book you read? What, what inspired you to kind of take that risk and try your, your hand at investing? Yeah. It's going to sound super lame, Devin, because you've heard this a bunch, man. I don't know. Rich it's probably dad. the same as me and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Rich, rich dad, poor dad. There you go. Yeah. I, I was renting, I was renting in an apartment. I think I was like, I don't know. I was in my early to mid twenties, um, read that book. Yep. I knew I was going to go into real estate eventually, but I, that was the catalyst for me to be like, all right, I need to go buy a house. And I basically house hacked before it was a kind of a known term. Um, yeah. I bought a house needed work. I, I was dumb enough to try to do it all myself. So I did. Um, and then I brought my roommates over from where I was renting. And then from there, kept the house after we lived in it for a couple of years, rented it out, went and did it again, found another house to fix up, live in, bring the roommates. And then I just kept building a portfolio every two years on that. But uh, yeah, that book kind of changed my outlook of what I wanted to do long-term. But it was it was like this this split identity though, because you know, everybody else is telling you to go get a safe and secure job and go down the path of having a salary and going through the path of life. And I knew I didn't want that, but I just, it took me, it took me a few years to finally like, all right, I'm just going to go do this and fail if I will, but I'm just going to, you know, create the lifestyle that I want, do what I want to do uh, on the real estate front and just live the life that I want. So um, that's when I quit, traveled the world, fulfilled the life dream, and then came home and just like, all right, I'm going full-time real estate. And that first year or two was really annoyingly tough. <laughs> I made like no money. I made yeah. no money. I had real estate uh, that I owned for rentals and stuff. I had like, I think five single family and one duplex at the time. But yep. uh, I mean, I was, I was broke in terms of money in the bank, right? So um, that first year and a half, two years was like super tough until I got all the businesses off the ground. And then, then it just kind of stuck. I never said, all right, I'm just going to do one. But right. that, was, that was really the catalyst, man um, to get into it. I love it, man. That's, that's the spirit. And that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is just to connect with like-minded people because you, that is a rarer path. I think there's a lot of people aspiring to that path, but not willing to go through that Two Mine was about two and a half years of just, I don't want to say it was pure hell, but God, it was insanely hard work. Um, working, family, building a business, real estate ups and downs. Um, but you know, you had, you had the dream and you, and you did it. And that to me is incredibly, uh, incredibly ins ex inspiring. Do you think it's, you know, do you think it's a genetic component? Did you have a hero growing up that you were emulating or were you just 
kind of saw the light of what could be, you know, I'm always curious about why, why a select few people kind of choose this, this path. Um, curious to see, you know, what you think that is for you. That's a really, that's a really good question. Um, and now I'm searching if there was like a, I can't think of any potential like role model that I was trying to emulate, but what I did know was that I had a lot of goals of what I wanted to do in life. And I pretty much woke up in my late twenties and I was like, dude, I'm not on the path of where I want to be. I was like slowly getting some real estate stuff under my belt, but, um, I was still working the W2 job. I was not making the money I wanted to. I didn't have much in the bank. And I think when I mapped out my goals at that point of like long-term five, 10, 20 year stuff, I was like, dude, I'm I'm not going to hit this. Like, there's no way I'm going to achieve these goals. And one of the things that drove me to finally quit my job and travel the world and just be a vagabond and, you know, fulfill that was like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. People never ask that question and really think about it. Right. When you, when you, when you launch out and you're actually going to just go the other direction of what, you know, the, the norm is, if you will, the fact is we're probably not going to be homeless, <laughs> you know, right. yeah. uh, things will work out. I could always go back and get a W2 job. That's what I realized. So I was like, yeah. all right, why don't I just go travel? Why don't I just go full-time into real estate and bet on myself to try to make my actual dreams come true. And it's, it, it does take uh, a decent amount of um, commitment and faith. Things are going to work out. And you can't just assume that everything's going to work out without putting in the efforts in the process. I can get to work hard at it. Yep. But it was like, if I fail in my face, if I can just go back and start over, it's not, but if, I, I didn't want to live with the regret. I didn't want to like wake up when in my sixties and seventies, I never took the chance that regret of what I would not have accomplished. Even if I failed was greater than taking the chance and failing. And that was, that was the questions that were going through my head at the time to actually take the action. And I think that's where, I don't think people go through that exercise and I, that's what I recommend them do um, to try to get them, to, you know, put a fire under their butt to go do something. I love it. Regret. Yeah. I think that's such an important point. And I've used that framework a lot too. You hear about it that at the end of people's lives, that the regrets are regrets of, of omission, not regretting things they, they, they did or mistakes they made, but things that they didn't do. And so it's one thing to hear, okay, well, I guess a lot of people get to the end of their life and I guess I don't want to end up like that. It's another thing to take the action in the moment. But I think about, or sometimes, you know, you and your buddies will joke around, like if you went back to high school with what you knew now, like how trivial and easy everything would be. But at the time it was so scary and you're worried about what people think. And and I think, you know, the, the same is true at some point you're in your twenties or thirties, like, Hey man, now's, this is it. Now's the time. And, and you got to strike and the downside is not that not that bad. It's scary, but downside's not that bad. So I love it. Yeah. I love kind of jumping. And then what I've found just time and time again, is you kind of acclimate to whatever situation you put yourself in, you know, it seems scary, but then you, you take a leap or you, you do it and then you gain some new capabilities and new relationships and then just kind of normalize whatever it is. And for me, that happened so many times. It was like, well, huh, that seemed like a scary jump. And then you normalize it and go, well, what next? What, What's next to where I am now that could be a next step that seems a little out of reach, but what if I take that step and then normalize that? And that's just kind of been the, the process. Um, what was the catalyst for going around the world? That's such, I feel like that's like a classic kind of dream. Um, how old were you when you did that? What was the game plan? 
you know, that's, that's a long time. That's a huge, you know, commitment. Um, love to just kind of understand your, your thought process around that. Yeah. Uh, first trip was actually when I was 22, I yep. obviously left for six weeks by myself, traveled around Europe, right. Yep. Typical, typical journey. But, um, when I came back, I was like, dude, I got to go back again. That was amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, you can imagine 20, 22, 23 year old, you know, yeah. gallivanting right. only just backpack, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. And I kept saying I was going to go back. I never did. I kept putting it off. I think I was either 29 or 30 when I left. Um, I basically was like, you know, I'm going to, I knew the job I was going to quit was going to, I was going to do it anyway. So people usually take a one or two week gap between jobs because they freak out because they're worried they're not going to be able to pay the bills. Sure. So I planned it out. It took me like six or 12 months to plan it out and get all my real estate stuff sorted, sold my vehicle, rented out the place I was living in, put all my stuff in storage and just, that was it. I, I was going to leave for six months. It turned into a year and a half. Um, and I knew that uh, I was probably not going to have an opportunity to do it to that length um, if I was married with kids. Right. So it's not yeah. easy to do that. I'm not saying you can't, you obviously can. Just very different. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very, it's going to be a very different trip. Yes. Um, and you're probably not going to go to some of the crazy places that I went to in third world countries. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think I touched down on four or five continents at the time. And so cool. Um, I was all over the place, but yeah, yeah it was just a dream of like wanting to see all these amazing places that I had heard about, read about, saw, and we always think that we're going to make it in our sixties and seventies or whatever. And that's when we're going to go do all this stuff and see stuff. Well, guess what? You're not gonna be able to hike to some of the places when you're in your seventies that you might do when you're in twenties and thirties. Yep. So I was like, you know what? I can make money when I get back. Let me just go do this. Um, so that, that was my thought process, man. I just, I wanted to make it happen. I didn't want to take the chance that it may never happen. And yeah. I wanted to do it at the, you know, the age I was at. So everything kind of just worked out. I love it. Did, did doing something like that, I imagine a lot of uncertainty, maybe some fear around it. Did it give you new kind of confidence to tackle other things after you had been through that? It did, man. I learned so much, um, so much about myself. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a self-confidence boost. Um, cause I, there was some days I didn't know where I was going tomorrow. Like I just, yeah. I would just rock up in some random city or town and be like, All right, where am I sleeping tonight? It That's was cool because I was forcing myself out of my comfort zone on purpose yep. Yep. to try to challenge myself, be resourceful, figure it out and know that I, um, again, not going to end up homeless. I almost ended up homeless one night and I actually almost ended up homeless out of money in China. That was a whole nother story. That was actually with my, my now future wife. Uh, but at the time we, we were like three days from like literally being in the streets of China broke um, because of some stuff that happened to me while I was gone back in the U S that drained some savings. Yep. And then said to her, you know, she was, she only had so much to travel on and I was diverting her to travel instead of go work. So it's partially my fault there, but yeah, you just, you kind of come back from a trip like that and you're a better read on people. You're a better read on um, just life in general, like situations and experiences and being a good judge of character about things. Like I gained so much from it, dude. I wouldn't travel it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world from the world travel I had. So. Um, I love it. Yeah. And, and just so many good things about that. But what I hear, what resonates with me out of that is resourcefulness, right? And, the, and I think that's just kind of the number one skill um, in, in business, maybe in life. I don't know, but. 
Yeah. The curveballs are never going to stop. The surprises are never going to stop. And being resourceful and, and being, you know, kind of confident because of past experiences, it can be references for yourself. Like, yeah, man, I made it through all kinds of unknowns. Here's an unknown now that I'm presented with. And I'm like really acclimated to unknowns and figuring, being resourceful and figuring out a way through it. I think it's the number one, number one skill yeah. that you can develop. Yeah, I totally agree, man. That's actually, it's funny you say that because that's like the number one thing I want to teach my kids is how to be resourceful. If yeah. you're resourceful, like we have all the the resources in our world that we have. It's just a matter of like, where do you, do you know how to use the resources, right? It's yeah. resourcefulness that matters. Um, and I, I'm of the same mindset. It's like, if you're not, if you don't always know the path that you're on, like where you're going to go, like chances are you're, you're not growing and you're in your comfort zone all the time. Yeah. Like you got to just plunge out, say yes, figure it out later. And you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, but that's how you know that you're actually moving forward and growing. So is being, yeah, yeah, being out of your comfort zone. T totally agree. And doing that as an adult, I think we're forced to be out of our comfort zone for most of us in school, um, advancing through grades and being forced to be in situations where we're outside of our comfort zone. But after school, maybe after college, um, my observation has been that, Hey man, I did my time. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop being uncomfortable and I'm going to focus on being comfortable, which will, you know, absolutely make you fat and kill you if you, if you take it to the extreme. So, um, a huge fan of continually seeking discomfort and, and growth. How old are your kids? And what, you know, like to dive in on that. I'm kind of the same way. I've got three kids and thinking about how do I, you know, how do I help them? And, and, and we've got resources, but not let that be a crutch for them and let them develop their own resourcefulness. How old are your kids? Uh, four and seven. I just turned four and seven. I got two girls. Awesome, man. And you, and we we're talking in the green room before you guys just got back from Iceland, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm committed to creating world travel experiences with the fans. So I try to do at least uh, one or two international trips a year with them. And then at least two or three other big trips in the U S um, every single year. Yeah. Uh, last year we did Italy and Bali this year was Iceland. And um, yeah, they're, I don't, I, hopefully it pays off. You know, I have amazing time on these trips, but I just, I always wonder like what they gain at their age that they're at, you know, because sure. most sure. people wait, wait to travel. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you can, but it's like, there's such a narrow window. Mine are kind of like crossing over my oldest 14 and there's a real sense of, I don't have him for much longer. I mean, he'll be out of the house in a couple of years. He's already kind of, you know, interested in his own stuff, which is great. But I remember when they were younger feeling like, oh, we've got to wait till they're a little bit older. And But your real window is like six to 12. Like you don't have a lot of time yeah. with them where they're going to remember it and they're still interested in, you know, kind of being a kid and being part of the family. I think after 12, 13, man, they're already, they're yeah. already slipping yeah. down that slope to being out of the house. So, um, I, you know, at your kids' ages, I don't think, you know, you can go wrong trying to maximize those kind of adventures and memories, right? Yeah, Um it's funny too, because the, there was a quote, I, I don't know who said it. it was like three or four days ago, but somebody said, you have basically 19 years with your kids, Yeah, 18 of which they live at the house. And that last one year is spread out over the rest of your lifetime. Once they leave for school. Interesting. And like you just said, once they turn 12, 13, 14, like they, you know, you're replaced for their friends. They don't want to sure. be, they'll go on vacation with you. Right. But it's not, it's not going to be the same world that you're in when they're, you know, five. I've never years. heard that. And that is, that's tough to hear. And it's absolute truth. You know, you think about 
how much time we spend maybe with our folks if they're still around. It's, you know, some holidays and some check-ins here and there, but yeah, it's, it's one year spread out over the the rest, which is, which is wild it's natural order of things. But as a parent of younger kids, it, it, it hits you, it hits you. So, um, yeah. well, let's talk about what you're doing now. I, I, I love the world travel. I love the, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, developing resourcefulness. Um, what does the, you know, what does your day look like now? You know, what kind of real estate stuff are you working on? Um, that, you know, kind of current, current status of things, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a busy time for me right now compared to where I was maybe a year ago with the amount of things that we're taking on. But, um, I, I'm in a, I'm in transition with a couple of the existing businesses and we are launching some other stuff. It's all real estate related. Um, as an example, the bro- the brokerage that I've been in, uh, we are starting a team um, so I can get leverage on myself yeah. and get my, you know, get some folks out into the field so they can basically fill my shoes and then I can basically be a, a leader and branching off my experience on the brokerage side of things. So that's going on right now. And we have been in short-term rentals now for, I want to say eight or nine years, and we built up a good portfolio on that. And that is now growing. You know, we're doing management now. We're managing our own stuff, managing others. And then I'm launching a course uh, in September. So cool. it's basically me and my business partner where we're actually going to start teaching people what we're doing and how to have success with what we're doing because we're doing it a little differently than most. Um, so that's cool. That's in motion. And from that course is uh, we're actually going to be developing an app for people. Cool. Um, it's going to be in the short-term rental space as well. And that actually branched out of the course and we thought there was a lot of value there. So that's going to be an entirely another company. And then lastly, um, I still have my hand in general construction uh, just from a management perspective. Cause that's what I've, that's, I've been in that for over 20 years, you know? Right. So at this point I'm ready to hang up my hat as a general contractor um, in terms of management. So I've got two new construction that I'm working on right now that are going to be in the, the B and B portfolio. So we're basically building them for ourselves cool. and have some other lots that we will be building on, but uh, I'm committed to just who, not how. So I'm, I'm going through the process now to try to, hire the next protege of me so that right. I can get out of that space too. Cause we have a lot more that we're going to be doing. So the transition now is just going through, you know, putting more people on the bench um, and just trying to hire train and all of that so that I can then focus on, you know, the, the, the BNB wealth Academy that we're creating the app that we're going to be creating and then scaling our portfolio on the, the B&B rentals. So that that's basically where I'm at. So it's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. I I, I definitely relate to that. Um, a lot of plates spinning. Let's talk, let's talk business partners. You mentioned a business partner. How did you guys connect? Um, you know, what, what's your outlook on partnerships and what's been your experience? Yeah. So I've been partnered with him since 2015 or 2016. Yeah. Uh, his wife is best friends with my wife. So cool. that's how we, we knew each other maybe a year before we ended up buying our first property together. That there was, it was so funny because we were going through all these parameters because we we trusted each other, but we didn't really know how this was going to work out. Um, so we started putting all these ground rules around the property itself. Because when you have a short-term rental, it's different, right? Like, well, how many weeks a year can you use it? You know, how many weeks a year can I use it? And we ended up never using it each other. Um, <laughs> but the, the partnership just kind of grew. We just kept buying more properties. We yeah. realized that 
we are going further together. We can bounce ideas off each other. Uh, we split the workload. So in real estate though, in general, not just with him, but I've probably partnered with over 25, 30 different people over the years. A lot of that was flips. Sure. Um, I catered a multifamily deal um, where I was a GP and we raised, I think we had 20 different investors in that deal. Cool. So I've partnered with a lot um, of people over the years. He's the only one though, that has actually been the long-term, you know, partner, but uh, I do recommend people partner. I think it's a great thing to have a team, you know, in, in you know, divide and conquer responsibilities, uh, divide and conquer the capital that you need, you know, uh, overcome challenges with two heads better than one. But I know it's not for everybody. Like some people would rather go solo and that's totally cool. Because um, it can get weird when you get into, you know, selling real estate. If one wants to sell, you know, what happens with the other person? Sure. So there are challenges to it. Uh, we are both buy and hold investors. So it makes it easy, at least for now. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been my experience, man. It's been nothing but positive. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. I feel like there's not a, a right or wrong answer. You know, um, I, I do believe though in team and who not how, whether it's, you know, employees or partners, absolutely. You're going to go further, faster with, with a team. Um, I've, I've had all kinds of experiences across the board from partnerships that were amazing partnerships that were terrible and, you know, just kind of learn, learn something from, from all of them and keep going. Um, but I definitely, you know, you said, you said who, not how, and I'm huge, huge Dan Sullivan fan. Um, yeah. probably my favorite entrepreneurial thinker and have followed him for, for years and years. So definitely agree that, you know, putting, putting a team together, there's just, there's, there's so many hours in the day and you can be a superstar, but boom, you're going to run up against that pure time ceiling that, uh, will, will limit you. So how, how have you gone from, you know, kind of solo to, to building a team that transition was, and continues to be a source of tremendous learning experiences for me. Um, how has that, how has that transition been for you? And, you know, what would you, what would you share with somebody that hasn't gone through that transition of kind of solopreneurs yeah. to team, you know, team leader? It's not an easy transition. I mean, for somebody yeah, that agree. is in the whole world, like you're, you're so used to doing it all yourself because you think you're the only one that can do it. Yeah, um, you're so used to doing it, so you've got all these habits around it too, which is like really hard to break. the The catalyst for me was hiring my assistant, who's okay. currently with me now for uh, three and a half, four years. I mean, cool. she's she's basically a personal assistant, and she's involved in every aspect of each of the real estate businesses I'm in. Love you know, it. Real estate bridge the short-term rental business, the construction stuff. Um, but my life changed when she came on and I started going, whoa, uh, I'm getting all this time back. Yeah. I can then just, I can then grow the portfolio. I can grow the sales. I can go do all this other stuff. So, you know, for me, that went from a 20 hour position to help me take some stuff off my plate to a full time salaried position with bonus that I'm giving her, you know, her, and then we took it and did the same thing with the, the management and communication side of our um, short-term rentals. So awesome. we hired we hired one person to kind of help take the reins, and then we brought on two more people. So I think you know if somebody wants to start into it, just make a list of like what's what is everything I'm doing, and then what could I easily hand off, and how many how many minutes is that going to save me every single day? And then start you know you can start small. You can get a VA. You know, give them five or 10 hours a week if you want. It doesn't have to be expensive either. But, you know, every minute saved doing minutia is something that you can then spend um, 
you know, honing your craft. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Dan Sullivan fan too. I'm reading the 10 X book right now that just came out. And that is like, you know, it's the 80, 20 rule all over again. Right. Um, trying to delegate out the 80%. So I think anybody that wants to do it, you just have to realize that even if they don't do it as good as you, your time is still more, way, way more valuable. So um, have you read buy back your time? Have you read that book yet? Which one is it? I don't know that I have. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, What's it called again? Buy back your time. No, I haven't. Yeah. Um, I want to say it's, is it, I can't remember. I'm going to say it wrong. So I'll pull it up on, on audible, anyway, buy it right now. <laughs> dude, yeah. I, that those two books who not how and buy back your time, they, they coincide, but buy back your time is more of like, here are the actual things that you need to do. Like here's the steps. Um, so it's not just like a, a theoretical book. It actually gives you the concrete steps that you need to take, but um, nice. Yeah, yeah, buy back your time, uh, Dan Martell. Get unstuck, reclaim your freedom, and yeah. build your empire. Thank you. Just um, I'm always looking for I, – I listen to 30 minutes or an hour of audio every morning kind of when I'm going through my routine. And um, sometimes I get a book that's that's okay, and I'll get halfway through it, and sometimes I get pure gold, and I'm always looking for those pure gold books. So thank you for the suggestion there. Yeah. Right. And I like the tactical yeah. stuff. I, I think, you know, something like Rich Dad, Poor Dad can be extremely inspiring, you know, that or like a four hour work week. Those books were so inspiring to me back in 2008, but like not practical at all. Um, some of the Dan Sullivan stuff's, you know, super inspiring or high level frameworks, but the tactical stuff's really good too. Tactical stuff's good too. You got to have them both. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and it was, I mean, dude, I doubled my sales like literally within 12 months after I hired my first assistant. Right. Like if that's not enough of a light bulb, I don't know what is, you know, it's hard to argue. Yeah. Totally hard to argue against. I love it. Um, so the, the short-term rentals, are you guys doing this in your backyard? Are you doing this multiple markets nationally? What's, what's kind of your approach to it? And specifically, how's it been this year? We're talking mid 2023, um, you know, all kind of headwinds with, with, uh, interest rate hikes and things like that impacting different facets of real estate in different ways. I haven't really, I haven't really, I talk a lot about multifamily and different stuff. I haven't really dug in with somebody that's doing a lot of STR short-term rentals. And you know, what is that? What does yeah. you guys kind of model and market and, and how, how are things going in the kind of the current environment? Yeah. So we're actually in five markets now. Um, it's cool. all in the Southeast. So we're basically in three different States, five different markets, um and we have been for many years we just we added a new market this year but it's still good i mean i always tell people like get in line and stay in line right if you interesting you know if you if, if the market's down for whatever that's the best time sometimes to be in the game right yep. or the, that's when the opportunities get created so yep. 2020 2021 was phenomenal years in the short-term rental business because of covid and then as that died down numbers were still good last year and for us, numbers are still good this year. Um, we, because we're in five different markets, um, you know, that whole industry is seasonal, unlike multifamily yeah. as an example, long-term rental. Sure, sure. So we have some markets where they peak season in winter, some that peak in summer, and some that are actually peak in spring and fall. So as we're in five different markets, every single market might be going through its peak season. So mm -hmm. it helps weather the storm. You don't have just like one really good season. So not all I do summer. Recommend. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. not all summer. Um, so that helps us. And the way we play it, Devin, is like we're, we're 
we try to be as unique as possible. And we also try to maximize every single avenue that we can create to create value um, and also to maximize revenue, right? So what do I mean by that is um, pricing strategies, going above and beyond the communication, getting the systems in place to automate everything, get the systems in place to create a better guest experience, um, right. getting very creative in, in the product that we offer to the market. Um, there's just a lot of ways you can uh, maximize the revenue. So um, we hear, I wouldn't say horror stories, but there are people that I think jump into it, just like I'm sure there are in multifamily, and they don't think about how to hone their craft, right? They're just going along right. with the masses and then it yep. doesn't get the value and they end up packing it up and getting out of the game, you know? Um, you know, as well as I do, multifamily, like people are gonna probably take a bath next year in 2025 when that sure. five-year arm comes due and they can't make the payment because yep. they bought high cap rate. So um, it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things, like if you're gonna be in it, you have to be in it to win it. You can't be a mom and pop, right? Like right. learn how to be an operator and figure out what it's gonna take to really maximize your asset and then keep improving, right? Like don't get don't get complacent. Don't assume that because last year was great, this year's gonna be great. So, and to be honest, like, yeah, it's not as good of a year this year for the market or the industry than it was sure. last year. Yeah. And that's completely fine with me because it just means that there's probably gonna be people that are not going into it anymore or they're gonna get out of it. And that just means there's gonna be more opportunity because the occupancy will then go up for what's remaining, you know? That's a great point so, that you bring up. Um, and I agree. It seems like in real estate, there's a lot of kind of which, which asset class is, is optimal. And it's like, well, guess what, man? It's all a lot of hard work. And the sharper you are and the more dedicated you are and the harder you work and the better the team is in anything, I don't real estate or any business, the better off you're going to be. And so it seems like there, you know, at least for maybe people that are getting into it, a lot of concern over, um, you know, kind of picking the right asset class, which is, which is valid, but it, it doesn't take away from what you said, the fact that um, regardless of what you choose, you know, pursuing, pursuing excellence is going to be a requirement. If you're going to have, if you're going to have great outcomes, working hard and, and putting the right teams in place, like none of those fundamentals change. Um, and, and I think that's just important for people to understand that are pursuing this or looking at this, like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to go into business. Guess what? It's going to be in business is hard whatever, whatever you choose to do. And so, um, it's not like there's some undiscovered thing. That's just going to be a cakewalk. Um, although I think there's merit to evaluating different asset classes, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I definitely agree. You know, we're in a lot of multifamily, we're in some development, we're in land and they're all very different, but, um, I, I kind of agree. There's, there's opportunities when people are scared and you just got to work, hard, like always for me, it real estate's never been easy or a cakewalk or just handed stuff. It's always kind of been hard, yeah. the hard changes, you know, it's things are hard when interest rates are 3% cause Holy smokes, there's a lot of competition. Things are hard when interest rates are 8% cause man, our debt service is high, but the, the headwinds and tailwinds will change. Um, and it's never going to be easy. So I think just kind of embracing that mindset of we're going to come in and work really hard at this thing and and what you said, hone your craft, I think is really important. Maybe that message gets lost sometimes. Yeah, pe people need to treat it like a business. That's that's For the mistake sure. that people are like, oh, I just want my, you know, my second home 
uh, vacation rental home, right? Like right. we're going to use it. We just want it to, to pay the bills. Well, if it just pays the bills and you want to break even so you can go travel there twice a year uh, and have this free house, it's probably going to be underwater, right? Because you're not you're not bringing a business mindset to the asset. Right. And they're going to dive it into the ground because they're not playing at a high level. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree, man. It's just like um, you got to you got to be smart and you got to you got to get out there and get hustle, you know, make it work. Yeah. So how about the brokerage? Uh, tell me about that. What What are you guys focusing on? Is this is this single family stuff? Are you focusing exclusively on the short term rentals? How you know, how are you approaching that? And and how's that been for you? Yeah, I, I got into it originally because I was like, oh, this is great. I can make my own hours. And there's just, you know, I'm already hunting deals. Right. So I kind of fell into it because people kept hitting me up for advice in real estate investing stuff. So I was like, well, I don't know, why am I not selling real estate? Yep. Um, so I, that's how I got into it. And I started, I loved it, right? Like it's a relationship business. Um, I don't advertise. I never have advertised as an agent except that first six months when I started. But so everything's referral for me, friends and family. And it just, yep. every year, my real estate sales typically grow year over year over year. Um, for me now, though, I'm so divided with my time on these other businesses. I can't be 100% in as the guy anymore, right? So starting right. a team was like, hey, I've got 10 years of experience as an agent. I'm going to lead. I'm going to train. I'm going to pass all my leads, right, to help other agents cultivate these relationships. The team that we formed, Clients First Realty, is all about the way I treat my clients, right? Like it's, you know, if if it if it's not in favor of the client, don't do it. Agents have a terrible rep for good reason. Because yeah. yep. a lot of them are just after their commission sure. instead of doing right by the client, being ethical, doing what you say you're going to do. So that is my premise. That's how I've always run my business in that in that realm so uh, i just want to teach other agents how they can emulate what i've created um, and be part of that mantra because at the end of the day like if you take care of people man and people trust you and you do the right thing and you look out for their best interests you don't you don't have to chase sales you don't have to advertise like people yeah. will come to you for advice you're a real estate professional yeah act like one you know so that, that that's really it for me i just I'm trying to get leverage on myself now and give other people a chance to create what I've created. So um, that's that's where I'm at with it today. But that's how I got into it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. A lot of that resonates with me. I feel like I, you know, I own a a real estate brokerage with my partner. We've got a consulting company. I own a bunch of you know, bunch of real estate, bunch of syndications. But I feel like it's all been built. Um, not necessarily chasing things, but just kind of organically growing it. You know, the brokerage came out of the need from the consulting business, right? We're teaching people do this stuff that's leading to the need for a brokerage. So it's small, it's boutique, whatever you want to call it. It just kind of grows organically through referrals. We're not pushing it. Same thing with the investors that we have in our deals. It's all like, it's all referrals. You know, we're not out there pushing stuff. And the other part of that is like, we talk a lot about internally, like, Hey, we, we only want to work with people we want to work with. You know, and it's such a luxury to be able to be in that situation. You know, I've had jobs sit, you know, quota bearing sales jobs and stuff in the past, which taught me a lot, but it's like kind of a grinder and you're, you're selling anybody you can. And as I built my companies, it's, it's been really cool to just say like, Hey, we don't really, you know, we don't need this business. We like doing these deals. We like helping people with X, Y, and Z. If it's not a fit, awesome. 
Um, and then watching that grow kind of organically, it's, to me, it's just a completely different way of doing business than maybe some of like the larger corporations I've been, um, an employee for. And, uh, it's, you know, you could do that as an entrepreneur, right? You can kind of choose who you want to work with. Yeah, for sure. That, that's where I'm at now too. I don't, yeah. somebody's not a good fit or potentially if they're unethical or they just, you know, they don't follow, you know, the kind of mold of what we want to, who we want to represent. Yeah. yeah, like that's fine, you know. Sure. Um, we don't need to work with everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really the mantra. It's like I feel like we're we're offering a we're offering value to the market. We're not trying to chase anybody down. So yep. um, I think that's a good way to run your business for sure. Yeah, and you come across completely like anything, right? You chase anything, it it runs away. Um, you let it come to you, and it's just a com- it's a completely different way of kind of being in the marketplace. And I think people can can kind of sense that. Um. Good stuff. Well, so what's we're talking in uh it's about to be Q4 tomorrow, which is crazy. Or Friday rather. Um uh, of 2023. What are you guys looking at kind of, you know, for the next year, rest of this year? What what's ahead for for you and all the, you know, all the projects you're involved in? Yeah, I mean, I've I've got to get this course off the ground. So we're like I said, we're we're launching in mid-September and that'll run for like 6 weeks, to, you know, in enrollment and then kicking that off I'm probably going to push this app development that we're working on into later in Q4. It's just too much going on. Yep. Um, then with the team transition, I'm going through that right now. And that'll be another two or three months, um, possibly six, really, to get it fully like sorted out. Yeah. And then I'm roping in two new construction houses right now that we're going to drop into the portfolio. Cool. They're very custom, very cool looking. And uh, they've been like a year in the process. So I'm just excited to get those off my plate. Um, but yeah, man, I'm ready to hit the ground running on, uh, Q4 and also, uh, next year as I transition out. So it's definitely a who, not how transition. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. And, and, um, and I'm rooting for you. If somebody wants to connect with you, Rory, learn more about what you're up to and, and, and all your projects, what's, uh, what's a good place to send them? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me, uh, on my YouTube channel. I, it's just Rory.Cummins. Um, and then, uh, our business is cool BNBs. And if they have any interest in this course, it's BNB wealth Academy. Uh, it is officially in the app store right now, but, cool. uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, appreciate it. Yeah. Well, here. we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can click through and, and check that out. Uh, Rory, it's been a pleasure getting a chat with you. Talk shop. I love talking to a kindred spirit that's made the leap and is, is out there building things. So thanks for sharing your story, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. It's been it's been a pleasure. Awesome. We'll catch up soon. We'll see you. All right. See you, Devin. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com.